This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Leadership Platform, multiplying authentic, seamless leaders, moving self, others, and society. And that's what it's all about. It's a pleasure to be with you, our weekly Leadership Masterclass. I'm Adrian Grunewald. Um, our guest is the regular Professor Theo Feldsman. Around about once a month, we try and put him on and talk about issues on his mind regarding leadership. Also, of course, the old man sitting in Gauteng. I'm sitting in, in the bush now to Kruger here, and we're doing it sort of a three-way, and uh, praying technology does its thing for our usual masterclass. Louis Grunewald and Theo, welcome. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me, and a good 2018 for all of us. Let's make it a great year. Yeah, Adrian, it's great to be with Theo again. Okay, so, um, yeah, Theo, it's the first time we bump into you. I mean, you've, you've had your long holiday and break, and we're into the new year. Uh, how do you feel about the new year um, from a leadership perspective? Lots of things happening, not happening, should be happening, not happening. We hope to happen and so on and so forth. And I think today's conversation is very relevant. We're talking about opposing leadership. But before we get there, your thoughts on the year? I, I think there's what I'm generally picking up, Adrian, is a spirit of optimism and hope that we haven't seen around for a while. But I think that's why the, today's topic is also so relevant. There's a certain dynamic that can, at this stage, jump anyway, any direction. Uh, and then we may be going to be back in a, in a state of, of disarray and, and, and pessimism. But I'm very optimistic in terms of the change in the leadership and the ANC and, and what it promises. But, you know... There's a difference between a promise and making a promise work, and that's the stage we're in, I think. And from a leadership context, hope is a wonderful thing, but you've got to build on that hope. Otherwise, it becomes hopeless. Uh, you need your directions and your structures and your actions, and and uh, a lot of things must follow. But uh, I agree with you. This feeling of hope is something we haven't felt for a while. There's a feeling of optimism, and there's a, there's a very low base from which the new leader can go, which means you can do a lot of right things in the beginning. But still, you know, that hope still goes up and down, certainly in South Africa and all over the world, when you think things will change and it doesn't. And um, maybe the media is a little bit to blame for that. But hope is a nice feeling. Well, I think it's essentially, I think uh, leaders are, so to speak, traders in hope and optimism and a sense of, of we can do it and we're in charge of our future. And I think uh, those things uh, we need desperately for our country to to really play the role it, it can play in Africa and in the world. All right. Louis, do you want to add to that before we get kick off with uh, the topic today? Yes, I don't, opposing leadership. I just want to add one thing confirming what... Uh, Theo has said, and that is the reason why so many quality leaders feel a spirit of hope is because now for the first time in the last couple of years, uh, kind of a settled structures of things not being done is being shaken. Uh, certain things that we see a continuous uh, process of, of, uh, of uh, avoiding you know, confrontation and avoiding uh, um, personal accountability, etc. That seems to be have been shaken for the first time, and of course, that opens up a whole new vista of possibilities. So, in that sense, I'm sure we're looking forward to the year. What a year it could end up being! Uh, it'll bring its own challenges and so on. We we had that chat a little bit uh, last week, Louis. But all right, Theo, Professor Theo Feldsman, opposing leadership. We're not talking about a 
opposition politics, are we? Set the scene for us. No, what uh, you know, interesting, uh, Louis and Adrian, is uh, in recent times there's been a lot of writing, and we shared it in a leadership masterclass a while ago about fellows, a uh, followership, and, and and followers and the leaders with with no followers, uh, there are no no leadership. But there's nothing apart from what you've mentioned, Adrian, uh, in, in, apart from polit- uh, political signs, you know, in Parliament, so to speak, and beyond about opposing parties. But there's no, hardly no writing on opposition and opposing leaders uh, in organizations and what are the dynamics around that. So uh, I think uh, as we are paying a lot of attention to fel- um, followers, ship. We also have to pay attention to opponents and, and opposition because there's a growing sense of, and we're seeing it in our country as well, but worldwide, uh, there's a leadership crisis. People are unhappy with leadership, so they're mobilizing against leadership. So leaders have to understand this whole process of, of how to deal with opponents and the, the process of, of, of uh, opposing. So there's a, a really a topic that leaders have to gain insight to, into and understand. Okay, that kind of explains partly the, the urgent need to address this gap, but just tell us a little bit more. There's, a, there, there's an interesting dynamic between followers and leaders at the moment. Yeah, and then, so uh, imagine a triangle. I think there's a, the third leg of that triangle are the opponents, because uh, uh, fellows or uh, followers, rather, and opponents also have a dynamic. It's only not relative to the leadership. It's relative to one another. And I think to the, to the extent that people are angry at leaders, frustrated, skeptical, uh, and they, all sorts of reasons for the opposing and being an opponent, we'll come to that later, is, is we have to understand uh, this, this process of opposing the leader. Because uh, interesting for me, uh, the argument is leaders is about exercising power, hey. So in principle, there's always a, from the word go, the possibility that people will revolt against that power, the way in which that power is, is exercised and how people perceive that power to be, uh, to be exercised. So always the possibility of opposition and opponents. Okay, so there's this frustration, this loathing, this mistrusting. We know there's a big trust deficit in South Africa and I think world over between followers and leaders. And because of that, we see opposition. So we're not yeah. just talking opposition parties. We're saying that I don't just trust you because you have the title. I don't just trust you because you're the CEO or the, the local councillor or the political leader. Uh, so then I oppose you because I can, because of social media, because of um, increasingly followers can, in fact, do that. So... What are the opponents and opposition, you know, and opposition all about? You know, just let's go into a little bit more meat. Uh, well, I think the opponents. If you ask the question, what is opponents all about? We know followers follow leaders. They've got trust in the leader. They they identify with the vision of the leaders. Opponents challenge the legitimacy of the incumbent leadership. Um, if you put it this way, leadership's license to lead. Um, uh, the the followers accept that, but f- opposition said it's not good enough. The way you want to exercise influ- uh, influence over me, the power you have over me, um, we are going to oppose you. And that's the essence. So uh, for followers, say they grant the leader the legitimacy to lead them. 
opponents say, sorry, we are questioning your, your, your license to lead and the legitimacy and the credibility you have as a leader. Uh, and, and for whatever reasons, we will still get to. So, let me, interesting dynamic, eh? We've got leader and follower, and Theo is bringing the opponent element in, mostly because of the, the macro environment, because of the elements we've mentioned. Uh, it's a very interesting dynamic. Any leader will have opponents, be it, uh, be it obviously or be it uh, more clandestine or more, um, uh, what's, the, what's the right word, you know, less obvious comments. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Uh, we're going to deal with that, different types of opponents. Uh, yes. you, you, you're quite right. And I, I think um, uh, the other interesting, just a little case study, when leadership typically also experience opponents, a mobilization, a resistance against them, is when you have bring in a new CEO in a company. And it's not one of the present incumbents, uh, senior executives that, that uh, get the post, get promoted to a CEO. There's definitely a, immediately a situation of there's a new person on the block and um, he has to gain the confidence of. And the first step, of course, if there were some crown princes that were aspiring to the position, they would oppose him. And, and I mean, this, this the research has shown us the probability of an incoming CEO being successful is significantly lower than an incumbent executive taking up that position. Very interesting. Let me your comments quickly before we go to, <coughs> excuse me, um, what leadership need to know about opponents and opposition. Then we're going to seven points, very important points. Audrey, um, an illustration that strikes me, I think, to bear out the importance of the point that uh, Theo is mentioning is one of professional uh, sport. Let's, let's example uh, both soccer and rugby. Uh, now, you know, uh, the days are past that the rugby coach can just focus on his team on before him on the, in, in the training fields, etc. Now, they make an intense study of opposition. They even go beyond the field of study in all the various forms of opposition or influencing factors around that. In fact, it's become a high-level um, leadership function to be a coach of, say, a, a team like the rugby or our uh, Bafana Bafana team. And that's the same principle. Um, I remember when being coached as younger, all we worried about is what the coach was telling on the field. Now suddenly, things off the field and about the opposition becomes critical, and this is exactly what Theo says. You cannot be a, a competent leader if you don't have a discerning mind regarding exactly what all the opposing forces are. Mm. And if you get that wrong, you get fired, as we just saw today. The, the new Springbok coach has been fired. Okay, Theo, let's not go on a tangent there, which is a very interesting conversation in and of itself. Um, let's look at what do leadership need to know about opponents and opposition. There are pretty much seven categories that we'll, we'll uh, jog, jog through now or, or walk through, and uh, that's our masterclass today. Yeah, I think the first one is why do um, um, potential followers or current followers become become opponents? What's the triggers for, for, for opposition and, and opponents? That's the first one. Second one is what are the dimensions of uh, uh, opposing? Um, 
and teams uh, in terms of the, the 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 what will affect the severity of the the, the opposition you, a leader is facing. The third one is types of opponents. You must also understand as a leader there are different types of opponents. So you have to will have to deal with them differently. You have to recognize them, and you'll see in a moment it's not sometimes very easy to recognize them. But at least you must be able to discern the symptoms. The fourth one is any uh, process of opposing has got a life cycle. It goes through stages. So you as a leader must understand when this uh, there's a, 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 a kind of a dynamic of opposing in which life cycle the, the process is so you can deal with it uh, um, appropriately. The, the, uh, the fifth one is that the different strategies and tactics of opposing. Uh, so you have to understand, and Louis, in a sense, referred to it, the uh, coach studying the other side. You have to understand what strategies and tactics uh, your opponents can apply. And then, of course, uh, the sixth topic is, is directly related to the, what could be counter responses by you as an incumbent leader. And then lastly, uh, the process of uh, opposing has an impact on the dynamics and, and uh, the organizational dynamics. Um, and you have to understand, so it's doing damage to your organization, especially if it goes bad. So those are the seven topics, uh, uh, Louis and, and uh, Adrian, to my mind, that you have to know as the leader. Right, let's, let's look at these. Let, let's start with the, the trigger sources of opponents and opposition. Uh, it's interesting the triggers that, that make this come into play. Um, let's, let's go through these different steps. Go for it, Theo. Yeah. I think there are two basic most. Uh, remember now we've got a relationship here of a leader with opponents, and each of them have certain motives for what, why they're doing certain things. And I, you know, very simply put, uh, Adrian, you can put those motives, what drives the leader. And then, of course, the opponents respond to that in kind. It's the first one, if a leader's got a self-serving motive. And now the, 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 so in other words, the leader is all about the personal agenda and, um, feathering his own nest and looking after his own interests. And, and opponents can also have a, a, a self-serving motive. In other words, let's say you have a successful leader and that one also gets uh, often, there's an envy of the incumbent leader and people try to take him down. Because uh, they want to be in that place, they want to get all the credit and and, and uh, uh, get the limelight. Secondly, the second basic motive is that the pursuit of a common good. So yes, uh, the leader. Remember now, we've got this dynamic, and each one has got these motives. Is the leader could be pursuing a, a self-serving motive, but yeah. the opponent says, you're not, you're not serving the common good here. I mean, we've seen it in recent times where the, 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 the appeal is to our politicians. Serve South Africa. Don't serve your self-interest. Serve the common good uh, because then we can identify. So in this dynamic, imagine it now. Leaders got self-serving motive. Opponent says, but you should serve the common good. Leaders serving common good. But opponent says, uh-uh, I want to come in here, have a share of the cake, so I'm serving my, my, my uh, own motives here. And in that, the worst situation in terms of this dynamic, um, Adrian and, and, and Louis, is where both parties, leader, incumbent leader, opposing, are both pursuing self-serving motives. They're in the game for themselves. That's the worst form of conflict because, as we'll hear later on, that's probably a fight to the death. 
because I want to, you know, like state capture, uh, or I want to get uh, become a political leader because it gives me access to resources, and other one is contending for the same sources, so it's a fight to the death. The other more positive one, the other permutations in between, is where both parties, the leader is incumbent leaders pursuing a, a, a common good. The opposing party is also uh, pursuing a common good. But where the problem is, they're doing it from a parochial point of view. The chances are much better that they may come to a common space and say, yeah, but after all, both of us want to serve South Africa. Our understanding of how we want to serve South Africa or our organization is just different. Let's sit around the table and talk about it. So, Theo, yeah, self-serving, I think it's important to bring it into the context of corporate because it's very easy to look at these things in the context of politics, a pursuit of common good motive. In our current politics, I don't know, we've got opposition, say, their motive being to get rid of President Zuma. Some of them are probably joining for self-serving motives. Difficult to, to always tell. Uh, I know in the corporate environment it gets very technical or very uh, grey. I step forward as, as um, I'm opposing for common good for the good of the organization, but actually I'm very sour. I'm sour grapes because I didn't get the job. So determining the motives can be difficult. Well, yeah, that's why uh, I think the first thing is is uh, the leader has to ask, uh, first has to be common, uh, uh, honest with him, look in the mirror, so to speak, to say, why is why am I what I'm doing triggering uh, opposition here? Am I really honest in, in my position that I'm trying and, and let's translate it, you're quite right, into corporate language. The common good is in the corporate is that I'm here to serve the vision uh, uh, of the organization and the legacy we want to leave behind within the context of all the stakeholders that have a stake in the organization. I'm not here f for the case of prestige and success and power and popularity. So the leader first has to ask, why am, am I seeing op opposition against me? Now, it could be that the opposing party is also self-serving. Hey, I, I want your position. I want your power. I want your prestige. I want to get the credit or the the opposing party could be the pursuit of common good. It could be that they're responding to an underperforming leader, a leader that's mismatched to the culture of the organization, uh, that they believe that the leader is not fair and equitable in dealing with people, uh, or that the leader obviously is not serving the common interest of the organization and its stakeholders. So the leader has to understand the source of op uh, op uh, the opposition that he or she is is is, is um, recognizing and seeing in the organization. Arjun, can I just make a comment here? Uh, you know, in your case also, you've got a lot of experience of top-level executive coaching and obviously dealing with top leaders for years. Um, and uh, I think what helps a great deal is to, to, to discern the difference between these two motivations. And that takes some experience and wisdom. At the same time, you know, practice the ability to listen often uh, helps discern the difference. Now, you know you're coming in contact and person is negative, and then you simply listen. You find that in many cases that the, the guy just has a chance to unload, and that sometimes clears many of the issues, and he's spoke his mind, and he doesn't feel as much threatened as before, and then possibly one can get further into what is really the motive behind this person's opposition. But listening is a very important way to counter this, I think. Yeah, I, I, you know, before we go to, to the dimensions of opposing, 
uh, I wanted to leave this to the end, sort of a case study scenario. You look at Steinoff uh, and mm-hmm. you look at what were the motives of Marcus Euster, and it would be fascinating to go and talk to people in time in terms of how they viewed him and how he was perceived. I think some people would be even confused now. They would probably sort of mix up their current feelings with what they honestly used to think of him and what his motives were. Uh, and that's it's honestly not easy to to sift through all these all these uh, these scenarios. But um, yeah, your your comments on that. I mean, uh, we're seeing a lot of this playing out at the moment, aren't we? Very much so. I I, I think. Um it's a it's a case of really sitting down and engaging and and trying to do a proper diagnosis and that's what's important for leadership as i said i'm repeating myself a little bit here if opposition is starting to rear its its head in the organization and remember it could also be a, a force for the good hey but then it must be handled relative to a common good that all parties concerned are pursuing. The moment the self-serving, self-interest, uh, promoting yourself enters, uh, and, and, and gaining access to resources rears its ugly head, then you're in, in, into a, a bad space in terms of op- uh, opposing. I mean, destructive, I always say companies uh, talk about, you know, they're innovative. Uh, innovation is one of their values. Then I asked them, you know, over the past two years, give me an uh, indication of one or two major mistakes you made, wrong decisions, failures. No, 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 you know, we're managing the situation very carefully here. Then I say, you're not innovating. Innovation implies experimentation. You don't have the answers. You're not innovating. But you can only innovate truly and learn from that. If, if, if you are serving a common good and this, uh, 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 have a shared destiny for your organization. Otherwise, yeah. you're self-serving. Can I throw in into the pot before we move on that perhaps in a situation like Steinhoff and others that we've seen, there wasn't enough opposition. There wasn't enough opposing yeah. potential. Well, that's what that's one of the tactics, as we'll see later on, counter-responses of the incumbent leader. He or she wipes out the op- opposition because it threatens them. And, you know, that's already for me a sign that it go- it's all about the leader, him or herself. Um, uh, for me, uh, one of the signs, and you can use it for toxic leaders as well, is, is to discern two things about a, a, a leader that's self-serving. Firstly, they surround themselves with weaker leaders, yabas, nearbas, you know. Uh, we just obey, comply. The second one is if, if there are strong leaders around this leader that's uh, pursuing his own uh, or her own self-interest, you have a high level of, of churning, turnover uh, in his team. There's no stability, continuity in that team. The people are moving off all the time because they oppose. And then they, remember the powers on the side of the incumbent leader, hey, it just uh, makes it very hot, difficult for them move so move them sideways. Actually, put pressure on them to resign, make it or overload them so that they increasingly become not that they're incompetent but uh, impossible workload. So they can't cope and they leave. Okay, let's look at this in more detail. Dimensions of opposing. Interesting uh, comments that I think are coming your from your way now. Tell us a bit more. I think what is important for the leader to also understand and be made, uh, you understand now the triggers of opposing. Now you have to render judgment, have insight on the severity of this opposing. And I would like to propose that there are five 
um, variables so uh, of, of opposing. Firstly is magnitude. First uh, variable. Magnitude says how many of your stakeholders are starting to oppose you? Is it your uh, only internally the employees? Is it your board? Is it customers? It's suppliers? Is it the regulator? How widespread is the this growing uh, sense of opposing? And secondly, in a category uh, like say the board. Is it one or two directors that are disagreeing with you or is the whole board mobilizing against you? And sometimes you have that. Um, one case I know of, and I don't want to delve into much of the detail, new CEO came in. It's in the financial sector. Wasn't of the same uh, discipline that normally gets to the CEO position. Uh, it was a marketing person compared to actually usually actuaries got that position. And that mm. person went down with his board like dead lead. Because his whole approach was different and was very competent in his previous uh, organization, I think left after about 18 months because the whole board mobilized against him. So the first one is magnitude in terms of verity of, of um, opposing. The second one is how much energy are your op opposing parties putting into the process? Ach, if it's a little bit here and there, whatever. But if it really becomes very severe and people are virtually focusing on the, uh, being uh, opposing you in all quarters, at all times, in all occasions, then it becomes a severe uh, uh, process. The scope. I mean, uh, you can look at leaders differently. Is it is the opposition against you only your performance and the success? Is there questions being asked around your capability? I'm going deeper here. Is it about your style? Uh, or are your, your motives and intentions being questioned? And then your ideology, your values, and the last year, your personal attributes. And, of course, for me, the, 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 the most severe form of opposing if your integrity has been, are, are being questioned. So the more, you know, is it your performance, is it your capability, you start, the whole scope of what is the, 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 the opposing about, the opposition about. Third variable is the depth. Is it a kind of an intellectual opposing? We, we don't agree with the, how you're interpreting the current performance of the organization, and it go, can go right down to we don't agree with the purpose and the meaning you're giving to our organization. It's at the... You know, a lot of talk nowadays about spiritual leadership. It's about purpose and meaning. You're creating this place where it's in, where there's no meaning and purpose for us to, to go after. That's the, the, the fourth one. The fifth one is intention. What's the intention of the opposing? Do you want, you are opposing the incumbent leader to change in certain ways? Change your style, please. Give us more empowerment, or is it really the the whole driving? And then it's more intense. Is we want to remove you? You are unwelcome here. You're not up to the the the, the, the uh, your job and your duties and the roles. We want you out of here. That's the most intense. So five variables leaders have to understand. Uh, do a kind of rating in terms of the intensity, uh, the severity of the opposition they're facing. All right, excellent. So. Dimensions of opposing, magnitude of it, the intensity, the scope, the depth, and the intention. Fascinating. Types of opponents, there are, there are always different types of opponents, aren't there? Yeah, and I think you as a leader, and they related to what we'll be coming to later on to the life cycle of the opposing process as well. You have to recognize.
guys, uh, your, your opponents, uh, they the different profiles. And I would like to suggest there, there are four types of opponents. But the underlying uh, defini- um, dimension is, is your opponent actively opposing you or passively opposing you? So uh, what's the degree of opposing? The second one is the ability of opposing you. Is it very publicly or is it secretly? Now, if you combine those those dimensions with one another, you get four types of, of, of opponents. The one is that secretly opposing you passively. This is the, the opposition that withdraws. They just withdraw uh, mentally, emotionally, they're at work, but they're not really there. So you, you, you as an incumbent leader can't call on, on them to, to, uh, to support you. They are absent uh, because they're withdrawing their support in word and deed. They're not. They're doing the bare minimum. They could even go slow. Although you have cyber loafing, they are not with you on the playing field. The second one is where you have actively opposing, but it's in secret. These are the saboteurs. They opposing you wherever, but you can't see them. Uh, they they under the cover but they are really working against you. And these uh, kind of opponents are very good at psychosocial warfare. They spread misinformation, rumors. They cause uh, real or pseudo-crises. They sow confusion, uncertainty. They deceitful. They, They actually question the worthiness of what you... But in a very clever way. Well, you know, saboteurs. Third one is publicly opposing, but passively, but they passive. This is the person that are, you know, they are opposing you, but they are spectator. Remember the first one was passive secret withdrawn. They just disappear. They embody there, but not in soul and spirit. These are, these are like the spectators at the, at the rugby match. And they Uh are shouting against you. They, they not actively uh, going onto the field to oppose you. Uh, but it's cynicism, it's black humor. Uh, another, you know, a very interesting one for me where you uh, recognize the spectator is where they start, people start ignoring organizational uh, protocol and, uh, uh, um, you know, the, the ways in which you're doing things, keeping your leadership mm. informed. Uh, hiding surprises from him, not attending important meetings, turning up late or leaving early for meetings, not sticking to agreed-upon deadlines, uh, ignoring the agreed-upon dress code and facading. Uh, this is the spectator. And the final one, which is active and public, is the revolutionary. They are op- in the open. This is the full-blown op- opponent that's vigorously and opening, uh, openly working against you. Uh, they're in the public domain and they're active. They confront, they disobey, they insubordinate, they mobilize opposing support, they form coalitions against you as a leader. Yeah, <laughs> it's so tempting to not be drawn into a conversation around the current political environment. Why not? Why not? So let's get there just now. We'll look at the time because there's, there's still more exciting, interesting things to get through. So that revolutionary, I mean, that's uh, that's why you have a whole EFF. I mean, they they, they yeah. base their whole theory on, on all of this. So let's get back there. You then look at the evolution of opposing it. It's the life cycle. Yeah. Can I just ask, what's also important for leaders, and it's tied to life cycle, why are we getting to that? You don't stick into a category. Hey, you can be withdrawn and then decide, depending on 
the contextual factors and what happens and how you you start forming relationships with others to turn into a spectator or become a saboteur or become a revolutionary. So it's not that you're locked into a certain type of opponent. There's actually evolution. Some people would stay stuck. They just withdrawn. It's not worth my while to try and upset, uh, you know, overthrow the regime here. I'll just go undercover uh, compared to the others that migrate from one category to the other. Uh, I think the next one, uh, and, and would like to have your comments on this one, uh, Adrian and, and Louis, is that a leader must be able to understand where the process of opposing him is. Uh, opposite, uh, the process uh, opposing and being an opponent evolves. There's a life cycle. Um, and uh, uh, so uh, opposing an incumbent leader is not a single snapshot. It is a movie. And you must understand how this movie is un un unfolding. And there are five stages to my mind. The first one, there's this growing restlessness and dissatisfaction around the incumbent leader. You can't put your finger on it. There's a certain negative vibe that's growing here and there. But it's still under the gray radar screen. But you just kind of intuitively uh, detect a kind of restlessness and dissatisfaction disgruntledness uh, of, of people in an organization. And now what the leader typically does at this stage, he ascribes it to, uh, it's the people that can't have their way, they don't belong really. He or she rationalizes it, it away. Yeah, it's, mm. it's on the fringes, it's not important. Um, and, and by the way, these followers are still in the majority and they defend the incumbent leader ferociously against this disloyal, ungrateful, and, and untrue followers. Um, so you can, uh, at this stage, mostly the oppo uh, opposition would take the form of withdrawn. People are with, uh, withdrawn with, with a couple of saboteurs. I don't know whether you want to comment on the stage one of uh, of, of uh, oh. the process of uh, opposing. Someone. It sounds like someone took President Zuma and wrote a case study on it, if you look at all this. Growing restlessness and dissatisfaction, leaders see what others don't. So at this stage, maybe the leader can say, you know what, trust me, I'm, I'm seeing something that you, you're not. So I understand that you're a bit restless and a bit dissatisfied, but hang tight with me. If there's trust, yeah, then they might just hang in there, won't they? Adrian, I think you make a very important point, is, is the leader does not rationalize it away, this restlessness, this unhappiness, but is reaching out to build common understanding and understand why there is this restlessness. Um, you know, what's, it seems to be that uh, the economy is going to take a downturn. We may have to uh, look at our costs. Uh, could there be retrenchments? Um, but it's the leader is 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 reaching out and not starting withdraw or not it's not the right word is actually rationalizing it away. They're not grateful for what I'm doing here. Louis, do you want to comment before we move to the next stage? Odin, uh, one of the points uh, Theo mentioned is be careful of categorizing it too quickly. Um, the fact is. Look at my own past experience with high-level meetings, Arjun, that I think it's an intuitive feeling you have. Uh, the people are very, seem to be restless and dissatisfied. One feels it before you label it. 
recognize the feeling, substance, and sometimes when you are passionate about things, it kind of disappears in the the meeting or in the one-on-one, as the case may be. But I feel um, before labeling it, uh, get a, you know you must trust your intuition here, yeah? and this this helps a great deal to rely on your past experience in that respect. Yeah, can I build on what you said, uh, Louis? Is that's why we need leaders that are visible and don't disappear behind emails and into boardrooms. They must be visible on a frequent basis there where the action happens. I call it the moments of truth are created in an organization to pick up the vibe um, in the organization. That makes perfect sense. All right, so in this life cycle, stage one, Growing restlessness and dissatisfaction stage two, snowballing mobilization with pockets of resistance. Yeah. Now, previously it was undercover. It's a vibe. Now it starts. Uh, it's This is a little bit, can I call it this, the analogy I want to use of warfare here. It is you have skirmishes. You, you have um, uh, attack retreat to fight another day. Uh, incidents in the organization. Kind of question is now coming to the rise uh, very generally in the organization. Do we have the right leadership doing the, the right things right? So there are uncoordinated pockets of open resistance um, surfacing in the organization. Um, and uh, even what you may see in the organization, there are, <laughs> um, again, you can apply to politics in a real physical sense, there's certain no go areas. Uh, uh, starting to surface in the organization where it's kind of openly admitted in the organization and said that the incumbent leader is not welcome in this part of the organization. He's got the power, but he will kind of, they will make, do the utmost to keep that leader out of that area. Sorry, you're not welcome here. Um, Mm. And now what, what is happening is where the previous stage people were still doubting, is there something wrong here, you know, maybe it's uh, the the evidence, the weight of the evidence was still on the incumbent leader, now the weight of the evidence is shifting more to the fact of people asking, do we have the right leader here, um, and people start are starting to take positions. Um, and um, the leader typically now starts fighting, you know, like uh, guerrilla warfare is dealing with single incidents. Here's an event. I'll try and resolve the the conflict here, the resistance. Oh, there's another one. So he's he's shooting off his hip. He's now admitting that there is resistance, but he's now dealing with it piecemeal and not in a reactive way on the spur of the moment and ad hoc fashion. And he's now starting, his, his follower support base is starting to erode. But then you now get the other counter response from the, the he's, he's still very loyal uh, followers, is witch hunts. They are smoking, trying to smoke out perceived traitors and sellouts to shame them publicly, to isolate them or take them out. So you're around now seeing the, the dynamic between followers and the uh, opponents starting to surface, rear their the ugly head. Fascinating, fascinating. Okay, let's let's go through the stages quickly so that we can have a few minutes at the end. You've got uh, open positioning as stage three, and then there's a stage four as well. And five. stage three, very simply put, the battle lines are now very clearly. You're either uh, in a party, uh, or you either 
with the incumbent leader or you're opposing the incumbent leader. There is open uh, uh, battle lines, open cho- cho- uh, choices. You can't be neutral. And every party is now planning their battle plan, how to take out the, 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 the other one. And you're opposing uh, and, and, uh, and actually um, um, saying why you're opposing. But here's a very interesting dynamic. Remember the motors and the triggers. If yourself, remember now your motors come to the fore because the confrontation is now in, in the public domain. Now, mm. sometimes you can see it's only self-interest. So it intensifies. Sometimes you discover, but we actually have the same common good in mind, but just different ways of achieving it. Mm. We better talk to one another. While in the case of self-serving, it just intensifies. You want to have the power. You want to have access to resources. So do I want. And then it's a case of now it is really stage four that comes to the, the open confrontation. Now, in the case of uh, irre- risk, uh, irreconcilable positions, it is a battle to the end, and winner takes it all. This is where it's self-serving. If it's a common good, now maybe out of this a constructive dialogue can emerge. Let's talk about it. After all, we want to serve the organization. We want to be first choice in our industry. Let's see how we differ on the means and the strategy and the rate. Let's sit down and talk about it. So a common ground of dialogue starts emerging, a uh, us space, in, in contrast to we, uh, them, and us space. The okay. last stage, if you want me to go on to that, you can yeah, have different outcomes. Different uh, outcomes. Stage four, the confrontation. The opposition is squashed, uh, the, uh, the squashed rather. The incumbent leader wins. There's a compromise uh, because you don't have enough power. So the current leader remains in power, but you, uh, the opponents adjust and the, the leadership adjusts. Third one, stalemate. This is like an a uneasy truce, which is highly un, unstable, but at least we, we call, let's for the moment just carry on. There's a truce. The fourth one is opposition takes over. Coup d'etat is it, and outs uh, so, uh, the incumbent leader with followers leave, and they are removed if they die hard followers. The, f- the, f- the fifth one is both parties, and that is really the worst situation, are so, the opposing parties both are so disaccredited and damaged by the confrontation that they're either there's a whole the organization implodes, there's a leadership vacuum, or a third party steps in and become, uh, becomes the new incumbent leadership. So five types of outcomes, possible. Possible outcomes. All right. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, our whole playing field is full of that. I think of the ANC conference in December. It came to, to some of these stages. Um, and then the, eventually there's a true test of motives. You know, okay. Oh. Hey, by the way, we all want the same thing. We want the ANC to, see, to make a difference in the country or not. So it's a fascinating, um, fascinating journey. Let's go to opposing strategies and tactics. That's tactics. That's so quite important. Uh, You've got the two parties, you've got the incumbent leader, you've got the opponents. If we first deal with the opponent's strategies and tactics, I think the first strategy that the opponent, and that's why it's so important for the incumbent leader to recognize these different roles, decide what type of opponent am I going to be, a saboteur, uh, a withdrawn uh, a, a, a spectator, because the tactics are actually determined by that. Um Adrian uh, and um, Louis, there are thousands of tactics uh, that can be used. I mean, uh, but you can classify them in two ways. 
the one is are they are they kind of uh, you talk about uh, uh, talk wordy verbal tactics or doing tactics talking tactics uh, let, let's put it this way talking and doing tactics and symbolic and material tactics material is on the ground it happens symbolic is is, is kind of gesture and if you classify the the tactics according to that you arrive at four quadrants i mean can i give a couple examples if i may yeah let's do that quickly yeah symbolic tactics verb uh, versus verbal word tactics is naming and shaming a uh, psychological absence daydream, uh, daydreaming ca- character assassination if it's b- uh, wordy or verbal tactics versus material tactics it is deceit you withholding consent you critique uh, it's gossiping uh, symbolic tactics against doing tactics the deeds you ignoring you breaking organizational protocols and etiquette uh, you disting yourself you aloof you cold doing tactics the deeds and material on the ground tactics is you withholding skills psychological warfare cyber loafing insubordination blackmailing withdrawing support and bribing i wish people could see this this uh this um what do you call this this diagram in front of me it's fascinating so on the top you've got symbolic tactics at the bottom you've got material tactics on the left verbal tactics and words on the right doing tactics and deeds i'm just kind of repeating a little bit and and then as you say then you you say well what would it be left top if you combine symbolic tactics with verbal tactics and words or the right top doing tactics deeds with symbolic tactics and then at the bottom material tactics blending with uh, doing tactics and deeds so it's a fascinating diagram and we have to touch on it very quickly because of time limits but uh, very very interesting mm-hmm. how this works thank you yeah incumbent leadership counter responses now the incumbent leader has to respond to whatever tactics uh, and strategy and tactics the the opposing uh, the opponents are applying and again you can talk about what is the nature of the engagement i have to engage now with my opponents i can disengage i can constructively engage or i can destructively engage and then what is the focus where of 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 my counter response is it myself or it's my opponents uh so give a couple of examples again uh me uh, i want to disengage and this is a case of where both parties going to lose the the leader himself denies that there's any conflict here uh and opposition he just goes into a state a pseudo reality of these guys are ungrateful they don't know understand where we go and what the vision is and the demands are we other he just denies it and you can rationalize it the opponents can also disengage in the sense that they ignore and avoid the leader they just go on their own mission they they actually disengage so both parties lose under this conditions constructively engage where both the leader incumbent leader and opponents can win is the leader says yeah i think they got a point here i better adapt transform for the better or maybe in some cases what you even see that the leader would say they're right i don't belong here i was good for turning the company around i'm not good for growing the company uh, the opponents in terms of constructively engage can try and persuade and win over the leader they can compromise give and take they can try and seek this common ground or they can adapt or transform themselves as well relative to the leader destructively engage one party loses and the other one wins the leader becomes a puppet or succumb to the pressure of the opponents they he or she gets hijacked or held ransom by it so the opponents are actually now 
in charge uh, of, of the leadership. Uh, on the opponent's side, uh, the leader can then derive them a power, uh, you know, resources and access. They can discredit them, isolate the opponents, eliminate or destroy them. So the leader has to decide here, regardless, maybe some in the context of the tactics being deployed, what form of engagement uh, he or she wants to enter relative to the opponents and where will the focus be? Will it be on me or on the opponents? Or it could be a combination, hey? It's, uh, life is never black and white. Mm. Old man, you quietly in the background. Any comments before we move to the last section, organizational dynamics and impact attributed to opposing? No, I'd like us to move to the last session. Okay. Rothio, go for it. Let's let's end off with this, and um, and then we just maybe touch on what's happening around us. <laughs> yeah. There's an intensity of a co- uh, opposing pr- process. There's the process itself in terms of the stages, but all along, as the the opposing process unfolds, it has an impact on the organisation and the dynamics. And I would like to argue that there are a couple of very uh, clear indicators, which, of course, then, and and they're all in the negative, so to speak, Uh, not so much the constructive engagement uh, and you resolve the conflict to the common good, the opposition. The first one is an organization becomes very internally focused because it's all about this tension inside the organization. They ignore external stakeholders, opportunities, and threats. They're actually very vulnerable to their competitors at this stage because it's only the internal dynamics that matter. Secondly, the whole sense of community in the organization goes. It's a them, us. Um, uh, it is for or against. It's backing the potential winning horse. The f- and, and, and how can I secure my own position at the expense of other fellow organizational members? The third one is, A shared destiny, ownership of a shared destiny, dream, legacy is being eroded or it's being fragmented. Uh, It's piecemeal. Uh, Next one is the positive cycle of social contact uh, capital, which we spoke at at the beginning of hope and efficacy and faith, optimism and courage are all progressively replaced by negative capital like despair, inefficacy, disbelief, pessimism, cowardice, anger and doubt. Next one. Resources get misallocated and misused. It is now to fund my campaign, not now and longer to fund and support the organization. Or it could be used to buy support, the resources of the organization. And the last one, which is at a deep level, and that's a social contract of shared uh, positive expectations based on trust and res- res- uh, respect just goes for a loop. Yeah, I see how increasingly... There's a misuse or misallocation of resources. Instead of building houses, we make lawyers rich. You know, we, yeah. the money, it's all going to lawyers and, and uh, reputation management consultants and all those kind of things instead of, of uh, sorting out the country. All right, so yeah. let's just close this out. Well, you have the, the Frieda dairy, dairy farm situation, eh? 200 million goes uh, to buy support or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so let's just kind of wrap up and then maybe touch on the broader spectrum. The, 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 the truth is that a leader cannot be the leader or leadership and follower. You're saying there's a opposing side, there's an opposition side, there's in corporate, in politics, doesn't matter where, 
and that opposing can be healthy. Uh, it, it can be needed, in fact, uh, but it can start um, falling over into a toxic sort of uh, scenario. And a leader must learn not just how to deal with the follower and with his or her own leadership, but also with the opposing side of things. Very well put, Adrian. Very well put. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's, that's a message for me. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and maybe this is kind of becoming a science. Um, there needs to be opposition in all things. We know that's good. Uh, as a leader, I can't just have meetings where everyone agrees with me. I need some opposing. But, um, but I need to start seeing that there are some crucial components when it comes to, to this very particularly. No doubt we have broader opposing leadership in South Africa, Theo and Louis. But, um, in other words, we've got this opposition politics that kind of unites with whatever motives against pretty much Zuma. Um, and I see all the signs of everything you've mentioned in this master lesson today, Theo, on the broader politi political playing field. But then you've also got, if you take a Musi Maimani inside his party, no doubt, or a Julius Malema inside his party, you would have your own opposing leadership happening. In, inside, let's say, the DA, you've got your uh, Patricia DeLille scenario and others that we're probably not even aware of. It can become more toxic than, than, than uh, authentic or positive. But that's the kind of political spectrum. Any comments on that before we start closing down and the corporate same thing? For me, the important thing is 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 to understand why the the the, the source of the opposition um, is it self serving or is it for a common good? If it's common good, then there's a high probability if you engage constructively in a and you engender a constructive dialogue, you will arrive at a good place. I mean, where do we take our country, uh, company to? Uh, the, the, as everybody talks about destructive innovation, that requires conflict opposition. But if it's self-serving, you uh, on a on a road. What's the saying? On a road to nowhere, because it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. But it is part. It's part of the critical triangle, as you've summarized it, Adrian. Leadership, followers, opposition. And then my my last comment here is boards. You know, you see in the corporate environment boards being caught by surprise all the time by what's happening in organizations and perhaps they need to find a way to be in tune with this opposing leadership as opposed to just connecting with the CEO somehow. I, I don't know because boards kind of manage or lead um, function, shall we say, very aloof from the organization and in some cases it's got to be that way. Leave the CEO and his executive or her executive to run it. But if they, had a, if they were more in tune to the leadership the leader and, and, and his leaders, to the followership and the oppositionship in a way, then mm -hmm. perhaps they'll be caught off guard less. I mean, the intriguing thing for me, uh, um, Louis and Adrian, is why you have very competent directors on the supervisory board of Steinoff. Why did they not pick up things were going wrong? Uh, in, inside Steinhoff, and I think they, uh, your point, Adrian, they were, I think they too distance, and they weren't asking maybe the right questions and getting answers from the the right people. Um, in the and and stuff was filtered to them. That can be can be the only explanation. Information. Well, our time is up, but definitely we've got lots to learn. We see.
a lot of mistakes by leaders, more and more so. The world has obviously changed a great deal, Theo, and boards must start challenging how they oversee organizations. I, I, I have no doubt about that. Um, I mean, we, we, have, we will find out a lot in time to come. You look at the Steinoffs of life, come on. You know, how, how do you get caught off guard like that? Uh, we look at political parties. How did the ANC get caught off guard like that in, in many respects and lose some, so many votes? And so we can go on and on. Um, and maybe part of the answer lies in today's master lesson. Professor Theo Feltzman, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it, as always. Look forward to, to playing this um, master class on Cliff Central and, of course, putting it on our leadership app. And thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Old man, any final comments? Simply that the whole essence to me, Arden, is is for leaders to very seriously avoid the uh, the ten- tendency to avoid constructive engagement mindsets, because uh, many of these problems can be recognised and even uh, stopped or channeled long before the time. But when the signs in yourself is when you start avoiding a constructive engagement mindset, then you start labelling, and then you fall into the trap um, of uh, this uh, negative leadership. Thank you for joining us today, our usual Leadership Masterclass every single week. I'm Adrian Grunewald of Leadership Platform, and we look forward to sharing some, some more thoughts with you a week from now. Um, go to leadershipplatform.com for all things leadership. One word, two peas in the middle. Cheers, everyone. This is cliffcentral.com.